We begin this podcast by acknowledging Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the First Nations of Australia. They have never ceded sovereignty and remain strong in their enduring connection to land and culture. We acknowledge their elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria. You're listening to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman, and today is an episode inspired by the document Teaching First Nations Content and Concepts in the Drama Classroom, Advice for Teachers in Victorian Schools, created by Kamara Bell-Wikes, Dr. Rachel Forges, and Danielle Haradsky. Today, we are speaking with Danielle Haradsky and Andrew Boone from Drama Victoria's Committee of Management. Both were involved in the development of this resource. This is the second of four episodes on this topic, and you can find a link to the resource in the episode description. We welcome back to the podcast, Andrew and Danny. Thanks, Nick. Hello again. So we're talking through how to use this fantastic resource that's been created, teaching First Nations content in the classroom. So what's the first step when looking to engage with First Nations content and concepts uh, through drama? I'd say to do a little bit of self-education. Um, there's, you can learn by making mistakes and that's not a bad way to learn, but there's some basic things to know that are very freely available that can just sort of help you stop having quite so many, oh gosh, I put my foot in at moments. And some of that's in this document. Uh, the first three sec- sections uh, before we begin, considering your context and getting started. Um, so we don't really advise waking up one morning being like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to teach stolen, um, or another top really full on topic in drama, start small, do some self-education, start by working in an acknowledgement of country into your everyday practice, make sure you've got the IATSIS map up on the wall, build this into the culture of your classrooms so that the students feel that kind of personal connection and it's really relevant to their everyday lives. Fantastic, great, great offer. Uh, and where do we go to source quality resources for the classroom? Um, like Danny said, there's, there's so many bits out there that's, that is readily available to you. Um, another wonderful aspect of the document is at the end, there is a collated list of resources um, that you can use. Um, look, one thing to be really careful about is um, when you're doing research or when you're finding um, anything that you're going to use in your classroom to support your teaching is you look for the, um, the, the correct ownership of the resources that you are sourcing First Nations um, uh, plays written by First Nations playwrights, um, artworks that are designed and created and, uh, by First Nations artists, you're using music don't just go to YouTube and find some um, uncredited um, didgeridoo music you know you've got to make sure that whatever you use um, like there's some videos on YouTube of um, ceremonial dance that hasn't hasn't actually been approved um, to be published and so just making sure that whatever you do source is um, has been released by the First Nations um, artists. Uh, where do we find out about First Nations theatre practices and conventions? So Andrew and I were talking about this before we started and I think it's the wrong question but he thinks it's a question that has to be asked because of how our VCE theatre and drama kind of work at the moment so we might handle it together. 
Um, <laughs> so I think it's a strong question because this idea of theatre style conventions is a Western construct in itself. So um, it comes down to the way we think about theatre and, oh yes, if it's uh, Commedia dell'arte, you're going to have masks and you're going to have these sort of archetypal characters and so on. Um, but if you say, what are the conventions of British theatre, for instance, that's a much harder question to ask because there's so many different types of British theatre. Um, and in the same way, what are the conventions of First Nations theatre or contemporary Indigenous theatre, as it's sometimes known? There, there aren't really any in that sort of really easy to nail down way. Um, and it was definitely something that the artists who were giving their advice for this resource, they found it a very odd question. And Andrew was there, so he can maybe talk more to that. Yeah, well, it does come down to that. I mean, the, the way that our curriculum is structured, especially if we think about um, the VCE program for theatre and drama, is we do look for conventions and it's a way for students to understand the style, um, to interpret the style, even when we're looking at their, um, their monologue exam. Um, you know, one of the criteria is the theatre style and how you can um, show evidence of that theatre style through the application of conventions. So it, that is where the difficulty arises. And that when we were discussing it with the artists and I said, oh, okay, well, you know, what about the theatre style and the convention? And they, they did. They looked at me and were like, well, what do you mean? There, there is no conventions. Um, but unfortunately, we do have to frame um, our teaching around that. Um, so I, I absolutely understand where Danny's coming from, but I also believe that um, if you are, see, I've been working with contemporary Indigenous theatre with year 11 um, theatre studies for a few years now. And we do sort of frame it around um, some conventions. So it, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, but that's, that's just the problem with our curriculum. I guess in, in some ways is that we have to be able to justify the artistic decisions made by the students and especially if they're analysing theatre or they're interpreting a, um, a, a script for um, a presentation to an audience. Right so when, talk, when thinking about um, First Nations theatre that's it, just like Danny said it's like talking about British theatre well you, you know you could talk about so many different uh, artists and, and concepts within that is that the same thing that we could actually talk about conventions of specific um, country uh, conventions or is even that at, at that point still doesn't make sense? Um, I think that would be quite an amazing thing to do, but I think that that requires a level of knowledge that's possibly beyond what we can expect of most drama teachers. Um, I think it's important to have this discussion with your students about what a convention is and why it might not be such a great thing to talk about. And to, to start off with, okay, for a contemporary Indigenous theatre, is anything written by a First Nations playwright? And that might be something that um, draws very, very strongly and explicitly on cultural traditions. It might be something that draws on life experiences. It might be an adaptation of Shakespeare. It might be a romantic comedy, but that it is written by a First Nations playwright is, is really the, the only convention that you can say, yes, this is, this is consistent. <laughs> because any, any, any perspective, any position is 
is political and is cultural. Um, so there are things that come through with that that often will come across multiple plays. So there, there, there are a lot of contemporary Indigenous theatre productions that draw on the life experiences of First Nations peoples, for instance. Um, and uh, there's, I think Anne Marshall talks about this in um, Singing Sunrise, is that the title? Yeah. Um, yeah, um, that there's often a sort of element of what we would see as the fantastical, so the not quite touchable experience is tied in with the, the spiritual and the, um, the untouchable experience that they're often woven in together. Um, so that there are things that come up, but just because a play doesn't have those things doesn't mean it's not contemporary Indigenous theatre, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I can kind of relate it to Theatre of the Absurd, which was, it's, a, it's a, a theatre style that was decided after the fact by a bunch of intellectuals as a theatre style rather than an intentional style developed by the numerous different practitioners. I'm not going to say it's the same, but mm. it's all about looking back and saying just because uh, just because that play was written by an absurd playwright doesn't make it absurd as necessarily, or it could be depending on your classification. Um, but here, the obvious uh, example is if a First Nations playwright uh, wrote it, uh, then that, that is the main convention. Hey, it's easier to have yeah. a short list of conventions, much easier uh, to remember. <laughs> and I, and I, th I think actually what you're saying um, speaks really true that it's much easier to put conventions on something after it's over. Um, so we, we can, Kamehameha Delate is still practiced today, obviously, but it was at its height hundreds of years ago. Um, so yeah, you can say that a performance today isn't Kamehameha Delate unless it has these conventions. But contemporary Indigenous theatre is contemporary and it's alive and it's evolving. Um, so no one goes out to write a play going, oh, I'm going to tick all, tick all these boxes of these conventions. Um, yeah, and also like, contemporary Indigenous theatre as a sort of an umbrella, um, you know, it goes back to plays written by um, Jack Davis, but also contemporary plays, um, you know, written and or produced in the last few years. And there's been such an evolution in theatre practices over that time as well. So that's why it, it is so difficult to um, categorise it as a theatre style. Um, but if, I mean, the, the way I view it um, is that it is, if you can put it closely aligned with anything, is that it, it's eclectic in its nature, in that each playwright has got its own perspective and therefore, um, you know, uses so many different elements um, in their production. So what, what do we do, what should schools do if they have no or limited First Nations uh, members in their community or representation? Yeah, well, I mean, it's discussed in the document, but it, where it's possible, make connections with your local community, um, reach out to, um, to the elders, get in touch with your KESO, um, absolutely. Pretty much every school's got a KESO, a Career Education Support Officer, that can um, perhaps connect them with somebody. Um, but... One thing that I really want to encourage teachers to, to take on this work, uh, one reason why it's so important for us to be encouraged to do this is that there are not enough First Nations teachers, artists, educators that can get into every school. Mm. You know, so this is why it is on us to make sure that all students in all schools across Victoria and across Australia are taught this, and, and that is on us, that is on any teacher, because 
we cannot expect <laughs> that every school is going to be able to have a First Nations teacher, artist or educator in it. Yeah. And that it's, it's also on us to do, yes, we're going to make mistakes. Yes, we're going to have assumptions and prejudices we need to unpick. It's our job to do that unpicking. It's not First Nations people's job to undo our racism. Uh, and that's exhausting work to do. And it's something that's I was reading about on Twitter just this morning that there are amazing First Nations parents out there who, who are willing to give their cultural expertise to their schools and they are incredible, but that's exhausting to have to do that all the time. And it's not their job. Their job is to be a parent. Um, and if you're lucky enough to have that resource that, and that that person is willing to share, that's amazing. But you can't expect your students' parents to play that role. Um, so you need to be willing to do the work yourself, not expect someone else to do the teaching for you. That makes sense to me. So the next question is, is what are the things to avoid and things you recommend when approaching First Nations content in the drama class? I know we've got a, a full resource and document ready to go to help us there, but I wonder if there's a, a few things we can talk to in relation to classroom teaching. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, so many things. Um, and like you say, there's a lot in the, in the document. I think one of the pieces of advice that's often given out, and I think it can be easy to brush off, is that advice to start local. Um, and the more I've sort of learnt and worked in this area, the more I'm like, that is such a solid piece of advice. Um, finding out your low, like, it, it's, if you try and teach the entire histories and cultures of Australia, well, you're going to fail. That's not, it's just not possible. That's a huge mountainous mountain range of tasks. Um, but you can learn about what's, what's happened and what is happening on the land that you live on. And that knowledge is so important for you and your students to know. And I think that, that's my recommendation for a starting point. That was my big takeaway from your workshop as well to start yeah. local. Yeah, cool. And I think it's particularly important for Victorian teachers because the Eastern, Southeastern states have seen such, I'm being fairly cautious in how I phrase this, but such devastation from colonization. Um, we had so much trauma, so many massacres, so many children taken away that we, t and then the, one of the results of that, and there's many results, is that we tend to think of First Nations cultures as something happening far away, something that happens up north, it's something that happens in Central Australia. Um, and actually there are living, evolving cultures happening right next door to you in Victoria. And these histories that happened are brushed over and hidden. Um, like my, my particular passion is Corin Dirk. Like what happened at Corin Dirk is such an incredible story and so few, few people know it. Um, it's, it is so cool. Right next to some of us living in Melbourne and a little bit northeast, east of Melbourne. Um, but there's, there's so many stories, so many local stories to tell. But yeah, that's where I start. 
Fantastic. So we're going to be jumping into our, our next episode and that's all about approaching First Nations content in performance. And we hope that uh, our listeners uh, keep listening to that one as well. But I wonder, is there a difference between using First Nations content in the classroom and in live performance to an audience? Is there a difference there? Yes. Um, so you can use um, First Nations content in the classroom um, throughout your, uh, sort of through any unit of work in um, drawing focus to um comparisons to um, what's happened overseas, to what's happened in this country, um, in looking at perspectives of First Nations people when you're talking about character development, um, using process dramas. Um, so there's many different ways that you can use First Nations content just in your everyday teaching. Then there's, the, then there's the other side about live performance to an audience. I mean, that's where it can get a bit um, more complex, I think. Um, especially if you're looking at um, play production, um, making sure that um, you're acknowledging um, the playwrights, you're acknowledging the to the audience. It's sort of that uh, distancing effect of, of Brecht, making sure that you've um, identified character portrayal. So that's where the document gives you some really great advice on if you are performing something live to an audience, how you can do that most meaningfully and respectfully um and yeah great well that's a good cliffhanger keep listening to find out more in episode three are you happy to keep talking about this wonderful danny and andrew absolutely yes fantastic thank you very much for your time that is all for this episode of the aside there are two more episodes in this series so i encourage you to keep listening to those If you are trying to find a link to this resource, one can be found in the description of this episode. If you have a question or you would like to suggest a topic for a future episode, do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. We answer a number of emails each week and will happily answer yours. There are a load of episodes in the bank, so feel free to go through those and find one that piques your interest. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here, to Aaron Searle for providing the music, to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening.